everybody, and welcome to Mom Cooks Fast and Slow. I'm Alex Sullivan, and I'm delighted to have you at my kitchen table. Today, I have Tommy Gamba with me, who is the COO and co-founder of a media tech company called Stacker. Tommy also happens to be my longtime friend of 17 years and more recently earned the title of my brother-in-law. Given the economic and political climate around the tech industry, I thought it would be interesting to have him talk a bit about the evolution of tech in the millennial age, the path of a tech entrepreneur, what we should fear and also be excited about in AI, and any advice he had for kids who want to go into tech. Our lives and our kids' lives are being shaped by tech every day, and it's invaluable for parents to understand it as best we can, especially when we are not in the industry ourselves. So I hope you find this conversation as interesting as I did, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Tommy. Welcome to Mom Cooks Fast and Slow. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I'm very excited to have you on. I actually just last week did an interview with a parent coach and we got into social media. So I thought it would be a nice way to counterbalance the mom feelings against social media and tech with someone that uh, I love and respect that works in the tech industry um, to kind of chat about all the new things about tech, the um, good things about tech, and then kind of the precipice we find ourselves on today. Um, But first, for the fun of it, I thought we would talk about how you and I met and how we are related. Um, So I'm going to let you tell the story because I always tell it because I find myself hilarious when I tell it, but I'm going to let you take the reins and tell it this time. Okay. Uh, (laughs) As you always say, it's a real... Uh, crowd pleaser, right? Um, so I think if you if you really turn back the clock, we met in college. Um, I believe our uh, parents introduced us at a Whole Foods uh, at Duke. Um, no, actually, we met. We I have to go okay. back up. See, now I'm already I'm already interrupting you. But we met in theater class on the first day sure. of classes. You and I took a theater class together because while I was a math sales and traders on Wall Street and you are now a tech badass in the tech world. We're both major theater kids at heart. Theater nerds. We met there. (laughs) We met there. Yeah. We were too nervous to, you know, become friends. So our parents had to, you know, destroy the boundaries and uh, (laughs) grease the wheels. Um, But yeah, um, in in college, you and I were, you know, best friends. Um, You probably, you know, kept keep me straight uh, for, for most of the years. Um, and then, um, I married your sister and I think that's the story, right? So, and I think that's where it ends. (laughs) There's not much more. I don't know. Sure. Sure. We can, we can, we're going to leave it at that. I will say that I'm very glad that my sister was of age when you started dating her. And And it was, yes, (laughs) it was always, we, we were brother and sister for a very long time in college and then by you marrying my sister, we made it official. Yeah. So that was really nice. Now you're stuck with me. Um, so. And now I'm stuck with you, my my tech tom, <laughs> best friend, brother-in-law. Um, so, all right. So I wanted to introduce you to the audience. Talk to us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and your path to becoming you are now the COO and co-founder of a company called Stacker. Um, and so if you could talk about, you know, how, how you got there and what you what your company does and what you currently do in the tech world. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. I mean, you, you kind of nailed it. I'm COO and, and co-founder for um, a small tech enabled media business called Stacker. We operate at sort of the intersection of 
you know, technology and media were trying to build kind of the world's largest storytelling platform um, by partnering with brands to fund and underwrite content that we distribute out on a network to thousands of publishers. So local papers, national news outlets, we provide them with sort of free storytelling uh, by partnering with brands who want to, you know, generate earned media and distribution at scale. Um, so uh, kind of like a marketing business that operates in the media, uh, in the media space. Um, but yeah, my journey here was uh, not anything but straight. Um, you know, it's, it's funny if you kind of like look back in time, uh, my parents probably always said I was going to be like an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I was starting lemonade stands, mowing lawns. Um, uh, when I was 14, I got a job immediately bagging groceries. I worked at Blockbuster. Uh, I started my own film company in college. Like I was always just trying to make a buck left and right. Um, and always just sort of starting little hustles on the side, um, you know, where I could. And, um, but it wasn't really clear to me. I grew up in a house of doctors and nurses. My, uh, my dad uh, is, a, is a radiologist. My mom is a nurse. Um, both my sisters went into the medical field. And so I just always thought that I was going to end up in medicine. Um, you know, when I was at Duke, um, I was pre-med with uh, 50% of everyone else who went to Duke. Um, so, uh, and it just sort of kind of felt like that was my journey. Um, and about halfway through college, I remember having this moment where I was like taking organic chemistry and I was like, I don't think I've taken a single science class that I've enjoyed um, while being here. And I'm like, that might be a problem if I'm going to be, you know, studying this for the rest of my life and like building a profession around uh, being a doctor, um, if I was even fortunate to make it that far. So um, I remember kind of having like this light bulb moment thinking, hey, you know, I should maybe have a backup plan or maybe I should start looking for something else to do. Um, and I was really fortunate, um, you know, it was kind of like when tech was just starting to get I think popular and interesting. It was like oh oh seven oh eight, um, and I like stumbled upon an internship at Google, um, and um, I remember applying to it just sort of as a flyer, um, and ended up getting accepted to kind of join them for the summer. Uh, it was actually between my sophomore and junior year, um, and I, I went out there for the summer. Went to San Francisco, and I just like had this incredible summer. And it was you know part I think working in tech at a, at a point where it was really growing, you know, very quickly, um, you know, uh, Google had actually just bought YouTube. So I got staffed on like, you know, a bunch of YouTube projects for the summer. Uh, there was free food left and right. Um, I remember there was like a, an Odwalla juice uh, fridge, you could just like go up and like grab a juice out of and I was like blown away at these like the perks. Um, and I ended up walking away that summer being like, this is this felt really right. This was like something really exciting and in a space that I think I could build a career and it was something I really wanted to do. So, um, I'm actually going to stop you right yeah. there because it's funny. I, I actually, that summer I was also in the city, I believe. Oh no, that was the following yeah. summer, but the following summer, I remember you taking me around Google cause you worked in Google in New York city and you were like showing me all of like the cool stuff and the free stuff and everything you were getting there. And I was going into, you know, sales and trading commodities on wall street. And I remember thinking, well, the first thought I had, cause you know, you know who I am, but the first thought I had was like, man, these are a bunch of soft pansies <laughs> walking around, getting their free food. But the other part of me was like, they're going to take a lot of talent from the banks because if this is the, you know, place you're going to walk into every day and work and, you know, have this experience versus what I was doing 16 hour days, 
getting treated mostly like garbage on Wall Street. Um, you know, it was it, it was kind of like an eye-opening experience of like this is going to take a lot of talent out of top-tier schools because of this kind of new way of having people work and the tech industry. And like you said, like it was 08, it was right around um, the economy blowing up um, and people were looking for a better way, a different path. And, you know, I think it, we were like in the crux of that. So I just wanted to kind of note that how like sliding doors of those paths and how you found yourself kind of in that crux. Totally. And it was, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's easy to look back now and be like, oh yeah, like Google, you know, of course it was going to become like, I mean, it, at the time it was a very successful company, but the whole trend of of tech moving in that direction. I think Google was one of the first businesses that was really getting into the benefits war, right? For the, you know, which was effectively a talent war, right? You know, where all of these tech companies have really been leveling up the benefits that they provide employees as a way to acquire the top talent. And so tech has kind of, you know, they're having their little bit of a reckoning now a little bit on that end. But, um, you know, for years it was really, you know, who could offer the best benefits, the best food, um, you know, the best, you know, paternity leave, um, the best, you know, PTO policies, everything as a way to acquire talent and whether that be within tech um, or for people outside of tech. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, for a, a kid in college, it was like the most incredible place to work, you know, for the summers. Um, I think I probably took you to like the six different, you know, food places to eat at, at Google's campus, just like popping around, <laughs> having meals and taking stuff from the micro kitchens when I left work at like four o'clock. So uh, it was a good summer. Um, and, and then, yeah, I mean, when I was, when I was graduating, um, you know, I, I made it a little harder on myself because I remember thinking I'm graduating with like a, a history major, like a degree, like a liberal arts degree. And I just felt like I wasn't really totally prepared to work in the business world. Like I didn't feel like I had like an MBA, you know, I know we always joke about it at Duke. Like, I think we all took like one corporate finance class. Like there was no way to get a business degree there. Um, you know, and so I decided to, to take a job in consulting out of college. And, and that was intentional because I felt like I needed to just become a little bit more well-rounded. And, you know, if I wanted to build a career in technology, it, it felt like I needed to, you know, have a little bit more of a, you know, a, a more broader skill set. And so I spent two years working in strategy consulting um, in New York City at Deloitte. And, you know, I really didn't enjoy it at all, um, but it was very formative for me. And I think I learned everything from like how to build a financial model to, you know, how to put together a storyboard for a presentation and, and tell, um, you know, sort of pitch compelling ideas and, and perspectives and do research. And like at Google, while it was like an incredibly rewarding summer, it was just more around like how to sell advertising, right? And so I just felt like it was a little bit more myopic in that sense. Um, and so did that for two years, absolutely hated it. Um, but uh, it was it was great because it really built a foundation for me that I felt like set me up for my, for my next move, which was joining a really sort of early stage venture backed business that was, you know, based in, in California. Um, and, you know, I joined when it was like a 10 person startup, um, you know, over the next five years, we grew to, um, you know, become 150 people and had a, had a small exit to, to Amazon. Um, and that was like, you know, a really rewarding and amazing journey within the tech space, because it was just so fast moving. I learned uh, I got to do so many different things. You know, I, I think I had like six different jobs while that company was scaling up, um, you know, got to kind of go through the fundraising process, the highs and lows of being uh, an early stage employee, 
And um, I think that was kind of when I really got hooked officially. I was like, this is where I want to be. This is like, it felt really um, like, you know, the highlights of a, what was already, I mean, I guess it was an early career, but it felt like, you know, these are the types of things I want to continue to do. Um, and that was with uh, Find the that Best. That was with Find the Best, became uh, graphic. Um, yeah. And then, um, yeah, eventually, um, you know, end up getting rolled up into to Amazon. And so um, coming out of that, I, I, I decided to go like a little bit to a, a bigger business. Um, so I ended up spending some time at Hotel Tonight where I, I ran global sales for them. Um, and, you know, was focused on sort of like hotel acquisition for the platform and for the marketplace. Um, and then, you know, that, that company ended up getting um, acquired by Airbnb. And so I was kind of fortunate to kind of go through that, that journey. Um, but I think it was at that time that I realized that I was like, it's time for me to kind of go do my own thing. Um, and I wanted to, you know, be an operator, be a founder, start something from scratch um, and kind of go, um, you know, have that experience on, 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 not on my resume, but as a sort of like the thing that I, you know, wanted to start to build around. And so uh, that was kind of when um, I, you know, started really focusing full time on Stacker, um, and you know, at the time was a, a small business. You know, we had like five or ten employees, and were really kind of focused on, um, you know, specifically like a, a really limited use case. It was kind of more, um, you know, providing content and, and doing sort of revenue share agreements with a with a small subset of can publishers. I, oh yeah, can I can I actually back you up a bit because I find the Every time I hear someone talk about like a a small thing that they then grew into a business, they gloss over the m- part that I find most interesting and that I I want to hear more about from you because I even feel like you yourself don't even give yourself the the credit or the due in talking about the early stages. So could you talk about how like the original idea of Stacker came about, how you found your co-founders, what that process looked like. You know, I, I feel like so many young kids are like, want to follow the path you have, but that initial like spark and that initial part of that grunt work and, and hard part of it, you like kind of black out. Like I kind of think about it as like pregnancy, like you like go through the labor and it's like half of like the thing that's so traumatic. And then no one ever talks about it. You just like kind of like, oh yeah, and then I had the baby. Um, and and so if you could, you know, talk about that part of it a little bit. Totally. Um, and there's so many like different, you know, founder journeys, right? You know, sometimes people will say they they, they met their co-founder and that was sort of um, how how they decided to start a company or they had this incredible idea in their sleep and then they end up starting a company around it. But um, our journey, my journey was, you know. Um, Graphic had a few different business lines that we were operating when we got acquired. Um, and so when Amazon you know, made the acquisition, it was primarily to roll up a lot of our technology and capabilities into their platform um, into like, actually it was like Alexa search. Um, and so they, they actually um, sort of sunset and shut down a lot of the business lines that they had. Um, and so we had a, a pretty sizable and thriving publishing arm at Graphic where we were providing sort of technology, software, and data to a bunch of media customers. And so there was sort of like this light bulb moment of like, okay, well, hey, there's a multi-million dollar, you know, business unit that that Amazon just sort of walked away for from, there has to be an opportunity for us to kind of, you know, go back and sort of take advantage of that sort of that empty space that was, you know, sort of like left behind when, when the acquisition occurred. And so that was really how we started Stacker, which was um, specifically to kind of you know, um, rebuild, um, 
you know, a different version of what, of what we had operated at Graphic. You know, Graphic was very focused on almost providing um, simple, it's like Shutterstock or Getty images for charts and graphs. We were like this, this graphing platform. And so we're like, hey, you know, media publishers, they want data-driven content. What if we provided it to them in full form editorial versus charts and graphs? I'm sure it would, it would, it would serve the same use case. It would inform their readers. It would be engaging content. Um, and, you know, we think that there's an opportunity that they'll either pay for it um, or we can sort of build a, you know, a, a sort of a, a marketplace on top of that. And so that was what really led us to, to start Stacker, which was sort of pursuing what we thought was like a little bit of a gap in the market. Um, and my co-founders were actually people that I had worked with at Graphic. So, you know, who knew the space really well, we were really confident we could execute. And so, you know, it wasn't, you know, it's a little bit of a shortcut because I think in a, in a sense, like there was a real, a, a real path to how we could, how we could sort of execute. Uh, and it's one of the reasons that we ended up bootstrapping the company, which, um, you know, is, is also a unique component of, of Stacker versus a lot what, of, um, what, sorry. What is bootstrapping? Sorry. Yeah. Bootstrapping meaning that like we self-funded the company. Um, right. So, uh, rather than, you know, going sort of a venture back route. Um, so we, we knew that there was like a path to making the business profitable within six months to a year. Um, and we felt like if we couldn't execute on that, then maybe it, it, it wasn't something that we wanted to raise money around. So we, you know, we ended up, um, basically all writing our own checks into the business and, and sort of building around that and then, and then kind of growing really sustainably over time. So we use sort of cash flows and profits to grow the company, which is, um, I think very distinct within the tech environment where, you know, you tend to see a lot more venture backed businesses, not focus on sort of you know, profitability or sort of unit economics until later in their journey, they're much more focused on growth and sort of achieving, um, you know, um, asymmetric outcomes, right? Um, and so, you know, most, most, you know, venture investors are like kind of looking for these sort of extreme power law dynamics where you, you invest 100 companies and only one of those companies might return, you know, the entire portfolio kind of kind of approach. So, um, but all that being said, you know, that was sort of the the journey for us. And so, um, you know, Stacker kind of just continued to grow from there. And it was, uh, I think we're almost six years now into building the business. We're almost 50 employees. So it's been a kind of a slow, a slow grind, but it's been incredibly rewarding. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that I find um, to be, um, you know, one of the hardest, most challenging, but, you know, kind of best experiences that I've had, you know, to date in my career. So... I mean, it's so interesting, your path, because I feel like you, again, like we kind of hit that like perfect moment of when tech started super scrappy. Um, and now we sit here today and tech is, I, I mean, it's like the largest corporations in America that are now tech companies. Um, so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the change from when you kind of started out and it's like scrappy era to how it's now become like it's I, I mean I kind of feel like now you're JP Morgan and I, <laughs> right like um you know what is what does that feel like starting as this scrappy industry to now being like a a giant industry in the in the U.S. Um, conversation and in providing jobs and you know what what does that kind of look like from the 08 to 2023? You know, it's it's funny if you had if you had asked me this question a year ago when we were at the, the real top of the hill, I would have I've said you know tech is having its shining moment and uh, 
we're a little bit battered right now as an industry. Um, you know, um, I'm sure if, if you read some of the headlines, but, but yeah, the changes from, I mean, 08 to today have been, I mean, pretty remarkable. I remember when I, um, you know, worked in, 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 you know, when I was doing my internship and, you know, you had the career fair at Duke, I don't think there was a single tech company that was on campus that was recruiting at the time. Um, maybe Google was there like, you know, right before our, you know, senior years, but it really wasn't a popular career path. Um, there weren't a lot of opportunities sort of, you know, how to move directly from college into tech wasn't really a, a common, a, a, you know, a common um, path for a lot of people who we went to undergrad with. Um, and I think that that's changed dramatically over the last, you know, 15 years, I'd, I'd say. And has that changed because tech used to be you were a coder or you were a founder and that was pretty much it. And now there's like so much more that is involved in it. Like now you can be a marketer and work for a tech company. Whereas I feel like in 08, that wasn't the case. Do you, is that part of it? I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's just like, you know, there's just significantly more, more businesses that are, that are, that are operating. I think that the war for talent over time has led people to a little bit more of a grassroots approach and, you know, getting smart people out of school is a, is a great sort of feeder system at graphics specifically, you know, we took that approach because it was really hard to compete for talent, um, you know, at, at sort of, you know, people later in their career. So we recognized that we could go on campus. We were actually, you know, doing Duke career fairs at, you know, 2012 and 2013 um, and, and sort of being early on the stage allowed us to, to get some really fantastic people uh, that were just early in their career and they needed sort of time to develop, but, you know, are, we're more than capable. And so I think it's a component of just there being more businesses, um, you know, and I think also just the popularity of tech in general, right? Like, I think it's just a much more visible industry. Um, you know, there was a time where I feel like it's changed a little bit, but like, you know, tech founders were like the heroes. They were like celebrities, right? That everybody wanted to be like. And um, I think that there was a real interest for people to, to get into that space to, you know, maybe A, make a lot of money, but B, also just, you know, it was a fun sort of laid back industry, you know, or it seemed laid back, right? You know, work hard, play hard industry to go, to go start a career. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's, it's sort of multifaceted, but you know, it really has to your point changed so much. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I'd be interested to look at the numbers now, but I imagine that, you know, the percentage of people going into tech consulting and like finance from Duke is like probably all equal ish now today. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. It's kind of, it's just really crazy to watch it from, afar and then have someone like you in my life that's like really been in it just grow through the industry so I find it fascinating and also always find myself confused and looking to our our favorite podcast all in to explain to me what exactly it is you do but um so now speaking of the evolution of tech and how from 08 to today it's changed I mean also you know, we could go all the way back to, you know, Microsoft and all of that. But in terms of like millennials and kind of the crowd that we're talking to, it really started in 08 and now we're here today. And now I find myself on another precipice of tech that I'm worried about as a mom um, and as certainly someone sitting in society. Um, AI. AI is now like the next big thing in tech. Um, and, you know, I see it just on a level with kids at school. Our schools are already talking about how they're going to figure out chat GPT because kids can now 
cheat super easily writing essays with ChatGPT. Um, and there are schools that are now trying to integrate, okay, we know ChatGPT is available. So how do we use it as like now the TI-83 calculator? I mean, I, I constantly hear that um, metaphor or simile or whatever um, saying ChatGPT is basically the the next TI-83 calculator. So we're going to be able to do so much more stuff as a result of it, but it's going to make everything easier. You don't have to do math in your head anymore. You can use the calculator. You don't have to write the essay anymore. ChatGPT will write it for you and then you can edit it. Um, so I, I wanted to get your thoughts on, I guess, a twofold question. Your thoughts on artificial intelligence and kind of how you see that shaping tech in the future and it, from your perspective as a founder and and how you operate businesses and then also you know how I, you you have a little baby right now but you know your thoughts on it shaping kind of our kids um yeah it's funny i, I think it's like you know as you call me tech tom um I'm probably the most qualified person you know to answer this question, but like in my industry, I feel like I'm like one of the least qualified people to answer the sort of AI, uh, you know, path um, uh, question. But you know, I'll do my best. And I think, um, you know, having been in 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 tech for you know, I think I guess you know, 15 years now, you 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 tend to see certain trends, right? You know, I've seen social playthrough, I've seen mobile playthrough, I see you know, cryptocurrency. You saw I saw you know, direct to consumer brands. And, you know, and so I think, you know, certainly this moment feels, um, you know, very significant, it feels like a, a you know, like a massive platform shift. Um, and one where, you know, you're seeing a ton of investment dollars and a ton of, you know, fantastic talent, sort of gravitate towards that industry. Um, and, you know, I think that it's, it is going to, you know, reshape um, a lot of industries, a lot of professions, and certainly, you know, the ways that, you know, kids, to your point, um, you know, in terms of like education and, and, and the ways that sort of have to kind of like rework and relearn things. Um, you know, I am, uh, I guess, like, you know, I'm, I'm still not in a place where I think I can accurately predict, you know, all of the use cases. Um, what I will say is that, like, I haven't, um, as somebody who's like been testing the platforms in a lot of different ways, you know, there's not like any specific consumer applications yet that have like blown me away. And I'm sure that, you know, over time, we will see that where AI is going to be in, introduced and integrated into a lot of the different things that we use on a daily basis, whether that's your iPhone to your, you know, Alexa speaks or to your computer. Um, you know, it still feels a little bit like kind of like that parlor trick when you're when you're using it for like consumer, like, oh, like, you know, what's the best restaurant to go to or, you know, you know, give me a recipe for, you know, this type of thing. They're, they're cool, but I don't I haven't seen like consistent usage of those things being like sort of built into the daily life yet where I am like massively impressed and where I think that there is going to be a ton of momentum in the near term is on the sort of like um, the sort of enterprise B2B side, these sort of really specific use cases where AI has been being applied to specific, um, you know, to like specific functions. So copywriting, design, legal, financial modeling, presentation building, you know, where I, AI is being sort of trained and deployed for like, very specific instances, it's been really remarkable to see like how much faster, um, you know, we're able to get things done and, you know, uh, how close they're able to get it to like a final product that can then be reviewed by a human. And then, um, you know, what maybe took a week is being done in, you know, a day. Um, and so as an operator and as like a founder, 
like that, it, that concept is just like, it's an incredible amount of leverage um, in terms of like the amount of time and the ability to like execute on things. And, and like, not only that, but like just a cost savings perspective, like the other day I, you know, um, was in a, uh, you know, was in a, a sort of legal dispute with a customer on like collections. I used it, the the tool to write an angry email saying that we needed to collect the money on time. And then I, you know, used the chat GPT to, to put together uh, a quick legal document that signed to, you know, as a, as a sort of release on the amount that was owed between us and the customer. And I was able to do that without having to pay anyone. And so normally that would have been, you know, hours of legal work or, you know, um, even like a collections industry. And, uh, you know, and so I think that those types of use cases are like truly, truly exciting, um, you know, specifically for a founder um, and, you know, you know, whether you're a late stage founder or an early stage founder, like, you know, you can imagine now, you know, there are, there are sort of AIs that will like build websites for you quickly, right. That um, will write blog posts for you. And so like, you know, the whole solo entrepreneur, uh, you know, people being able to start their own companies is just becoming even that much easier than it was um, a few years ago. Um, so, you know, I, obviously, like, I'm, I'm incredibly excited about it. I'm also like a little terrified because it's probably coming from my job to a degree and a lot of other people's. Uh, but I do tend to lean in on the concept that like, you know, that like these types of productivity and efficiency gains will lead to economic prosperity and that like things will you know, work themselves out. There will be new jobs that will be created. There will be new roles for people over time. Um, you know, you've already seen this sort of like uh, prompt engineers. So people that can like write prompts for chat GPT are like, you know, becoming like really sought after talent. There's like a whole new sort of category of, of sort of roles being introduced. Um, so that that's it on the, the sort of founder journey or sort of founder, you know, operator side. I would say um, I haven't put as much thought into, you know, how this is going to like impact um, you know, education or, you know, raising children, I do think that you're going to see a lot of, you know, you're already seeing it a lot, right? Where, um, you know, chat GPT is being used to write essays, to, you know, do homework, to, to cheat. Um, I think that those are, that's like the scary part. I think on the same end, you're going to see it um, accelerate learning, um, hopefully in some cases, right? And, you know, introduce new ways for, um, you know, people to maybe learn newer, more complex ideas or, or learn things more quickly. Um, so I'm like hopeful that it will, it figure itself out. But I think that there's, there's going to be like a pretty steep learning curve here as like schools and educational providers, like learn how to sort of navigate the waters, whether it's like introducing it into the expectations on how you do work um, or ways of like monitoring, you know, when it's being used inappropriately. So um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like my like biggest worry is I feel like we still haven't wrapped our arms around social media and how that's totally changed the landscape for our kids. And now we're just adding another yeah. layer onto it. Um, so that's like my biggest, like I get from the like nerdy side of me, I get really excited about AI because like you said, I've walked through some of these people's prompts where they, I mean, it basically looks like a teacher giving someone like an outline of what they want them to discover and then that outline then produces like what chat gpt can like draw up um and it's very interesting from like a a super smart person will be able to come up with prompts that produce things that might not necessarily have been produced if you were just thinking it out of your brain and then putting it on paper. Like the act of prompting something to produce something you want actually might give us even more of an interesting kind of output than originally would have been thought. Um, 
but yes, the the things like deep fakes and um, you know, I still don't use Alexa because I have like a tinfoil hat on that makes me nervous and someone's listening in on me. So this is going to be harder for me to even harder for me to get used to. But um, yeah, those are the things I'm worried about. But I but I am excited about you know the innovation that can that can come out of it. Um, but yeah, interesting to hear your perspective from kind of the, I wasn't thinking about it from the easy kind of legal and, and back-to-back kind of space that you were talking about. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like, I'm, have, I'm like blown away by every day by the things I'm seeing on, on Twitter of like, you know, the new legal AI company or the new, you know, financial modeling AI business, you know, that are, you know, you can go in now and you can, I mean, you probably would love this when you were working in banking, but you can type in like just freeform text like what type of excel function you wanted to create and it will just write the entire excel function for you just from sort of free text like so those types of things you know which would might take in hours of research or to execute just like i don't know it, it 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 brings a lot of speed um you know to to sort of like daily daily working life which is i think exciting um, but you know, then what becomes my job over time? I don't know. <laughs> I heard about yeah. like an, a, like a Chinese company that has like an AI CEO and it's like beating the market. And so I'm like, oh my God, like if that's happening, like, you know, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> so it's coming for all of us. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe everyone's going to have to be mom cooks best and <laughs> yeah. talk to each other. We're going to we're gonna have to go back to talking to each other. <laughs> um, okay. Wait. So. Worst case scenario, what movie do we turn into? Matrix, Ex Machina, uh, Ready Player One. Like, what is your? Which is like a funny that I'm asking this question because Matrix is probably my favorite movie of all time. So. <laughs> but now that I think it might come true, I'm like, oh, oh no. <laughs> oh man. Um, I mean, it's it's uh, maybe it's like Space Odyssey. 2001 or like you know ai kind of tries to destroy humans or i think you 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 mentioned her maybe right you know people falling in love um with ais like there's um you know you can have like full characters created now that you can kind of respond and have conversations with um so it it feels like um there's a lot of different ways for this to play out um, to go sideways yeah. hopefully not the world ending version um you know right but um uh yeah there's uh there's a lot of different of these movies that might might end up being might be true in the next couple of 10 years or so so um all right well on a more positive note for parents of kids that want to get into the tech industry or if a kid is listening right now you know, what is your best advice to someone that is starting out in the tech industry, wants to get involved in the tech industry? I mean, you know, I used to think, oh, you know, my kid should do coding and then they'll be in the tech industry. But, I, you know, especially with this AI, like now it's, I don't even know if that's like the right path either. So, you know, what it, what is your like whole holistic view of the tech industry? And if a young adult wants to get started, you know, what, what's your advice to them? Yeah, it's, I would have agreed with you. I mean, a few years ago, I would have said, you know, um, things like coding or creative skills, right? Like are, you know, offer you sort of limitless job security and that's changed so rapidly. So um, kind of goes to say that, uh, you know, tech industry is just, is, is, is really dynamic as an industry in a space. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think my general advice to people who've always like who want to get into tech is just sort of exposing yourself 
really early to the industry, um, you know, in, in different formats, whether that's just, you know, you know, learning, um, you know, reading up, listening to podcasts, things of that nature, um, you know, is sort of like as an entry point. Um, but primarily, like, you know, what I would say is uh, if you're early in your career and you're looking for opportunities in tech um, or you're excited about working in tech, I would say, you know, do it sooner rather than later, um, because, you know, a lot of people, I think, you know, even myself, it's funny, I look back, like I worked in consulting or some people like I should go work in banking or I should go work in a different industry before making that jump to tech so I can learn some of those hard skills. And what I would say about, you know, working in, in technology is that it's a space that is very dynamic and is changing rapidly. And, um, you know, it's really like, a, there's a lot of on the job training. And so, you know, what I think is always important is just sort of like, you know, getting your hands dirty, learning uh, what it's like to work at a really fast paced early stage business or a later stage venture business, you know, those are going to be sort of invaluable for you to understand whether or not it's like an industry or space that you find exciting, whether there are roles that you think you want to do, whether you would want to run a company one day. And so, you know, I'm always giving career advice to people who are like, oh, I'm, you know, I want to break into tech, what should I do? I'm like, we'll do it now. Because, you know, you, you know, when I, like I mentioned, like my first job in tech, I had six different roles over like six years. And I was just, the pace of learning there is is really incredible because you're getting exposed to so many different things. Um, and it's really the best way to kind of figure out if it's the right industry, you know, for, for you. Um, and then for, you know, like I was actually reading about this the other day. It was, it was really interesting. You know, there was a, you know, there was like a dad on Twitter who said that, you know, he uh, started like an e-commerce company with his son as like a hobby. And so they would like work on this over the weekends. They like built a website. They went and found a product in like China that they could source. Um, they like packaged the the things over the weekend and shipped them out. They were like promoting it on social media and they like starting a company together. Um, and, you know, like that was the thing that they kind of worked on. Um, and I, I thought that was like super interesting as like a way to, you know, introduce, you know, a, a kid or, you know, introduce someone to to the space as like, Hey, this is something that you enjoy doing being a founder, being an operator, because you got to do everything. You got to take the trash out. Uh, you got to pack the boxes, um, you know, really early, um, you know, but also kind of learning some of those skills, those digital skills as well, those tech skills uh, about like, you know, how to code a website or, you know, no code website or how to put together copy or, you know, promote things on, on social media. So um, yeah, I would just say, just jump in and, and, and learn as much as you can. Um, and um, you know, uh, there's, there's tons of opportunities out there now, which is fantastic. Um, but, um, you know, things change pretty rapidly, as you've seen. So better to kind of jump in early uh, and, and enjoy the ride. <laughs> it sounds like the best thing you could do is be a flexible person and not super rigid in kind of expectations and paths. Um, I mean, that's certainly something I've noticed just standing from the outside looking at my friends in tech is like, I'm a pretty type A person and the flexibility that you need to have in tech seems, you know, you need to be able to roll with the punches and be, uh, what's the word I'm, I want to look for? Resilient. Um, resilient. You need to be a resilient person. Thank you. <laughs> that can, um, see opportunity, um, when it comes along and then also not get discouraged when, you know, you're, you're in the thick of it. So, um, resilient kids. <laughs> As I say, that the, is who technique. The highs are high, the lows are low, but you know, all in, it's 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 a really rewarding you know industry and, and career. So, um, and of course, you know, people want to learn. They can always reach out to to me. I'd be happy to to talk to them about the space. Um, so yeah. 
So, all right. So to conclude, what is your favorite family tradition and why? Aha. Um, and uh, marrying into our family can't be, you know, the one, even though I know that's your favorite. <laughs> um, it's, it's actually a tradition that I'm trying to force onto to your family, which is every <laughs> Christmas um, we do, we do stockings. Um, but like, not just sort of like, you know, random knickknacks. It's like, it's like the stockings are like overblown. They're like overfilling. They're funny gag gifts. There's really cool, fun, you know, fun gifts. There's useful gifts, everything. Um, and, you know, stockings on Christmas morning were always like the, like almost the most fun part of, of Christmas. Um, and it was, you know, not only coming up with the ideas to put in them, but also to open them. And so, you know, as, as you know, as you're well aware, every Christmas now I'm trying to force stockings onto the, the Sullivan and Mistretta family. Um, and we're, yeah, we're getting I there. do. We're, you know, we're, we are. I love it. I feel like we have to, we haven't gotten there where like our family still forgets to reciprocate because yeah. we just forget about it. But then we get your stockings. We're like, oh man, this is awesome. We got to do this. So yeah. Maybe next year we'll we'll get our our act together, yeah. and I still use I still use the uh, car vacuum, the car vacuum, <laughs> or the head scratcher. You know, like they're yeah, yeah, they're all I love yeah. them. I love them. No, it's so good. Well, thank you for taking time out of your very busy tech day to chat with me. Um, I appreciate it, and I'll see you in a couple of days for Easter. Thanks for having me. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Talk to you later. Bye.